0: tonight um we 're going to be uh, looking at Jesus as the light of The world, And I just want to tell you parents, I know we have all of our kids in here and we don't normally do that. And so if your kid makes a noise in the service, do not sweat it. Okay, that's the sound of life. That's the sound of family. That's the sound of reality, right? So I have three boys. I understand if your child becomes inconsolable and you feel like you need to take him out. We have a a self-serve nursery at the end of that hall and they can go and just there's a TV with a live feed. You won't miss a thing. You can take advantage of that. But tonight, the light of the world. In Isaiah chapter 9, the prophet tells us, he prophesies hundreds of years before about this child that will be born to us. And he says about him, he will be a great light to those who walk in darkness. Jesus, when he came, said to us, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Light reveals, right? Without light, we can't see a thing. We're walking around in darkness, and we can't see our way anywhere. But light illuminates. It reveals. It lets us see things. In Jesus, this light of the world reveals the Father to us. I've said this multiple times here that if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus, right? He reveals the Father to us, but he also reveals the way to the Father. If you remember those iconic words of Jesus when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And then he says, no one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus reveals not only the father, but he reveals the way to the father. And if that's true, like if he's the light of the world and if he reveals the father and if he reveals the way to the father, then what if you haven't found your way to Jesus? Tonight, we're going to look at the story. I'm going to do some storytelling. We're going to look at two characters in the nativity scene that are finding their way to Jesus. And if you have a nativity scene at home, these are the ones that don't quite fit in. I, uh, this past week, was watching the classic Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, right? The old 60s version, right? I love this story. And you know Rudolph, he's got the red nose, and he just doesn't fit in, right? You know, all of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join any reindeer games. You remember that? And then there's Herbie. Do y'all remember Herbie the elf? Kids, you know that, Herbie? And what does Herbie want to be? Does anyone know? A dentist. Herbie is a toy maker, and he's a terrible toy maker because he really wants to be a dentist. And Rudolph and Herbie, they strike up this friendship, and they sing a song together. We're a couple of Fitz. Y'all know that song, right? Well, when you look at the nativity story, there are a couple of misfits. Because when you look at that scene, what you're going to see are humble Israelites. You see Mary, the virgin. You see her soon-to-be husband, Joseph. You see Jesus laying in swaddling clothes in that feeding trough, that manger. You see the shepherds who've come in. But then there's these royal guys, the magi. Tonight, I want to tell the story of the Magi and how they found their way to the light. And that's what we're going to look at together. So I'm going to be looking at Matthew 2. If you want to start turning there, you don't have to turn there. We're going to have it on the screens for you. You can follow with us there. I want to read in verse 1 of Matthew 2 in the Nativity story. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem. So they're called these wise men. I've got a picture that we can show you of just what they probably looked like. This will give you an idea. These guys were uh, from the courts of a king. That's where these guys would be found. They were called wise because these would be some of the most intelligent, well-educated people of their day. And these guys were powerful because they were backed by royalty. And talk about being overdressed for the Christmas party, right? These guys showed up and they had this amazing apparel. They were royalty and the other thing about magi you should know is that every time they're mentioned in the old testament or the new testament they have a mysterious power see these guys they would have worshipped astrology it's sorcery and magic and these guys would do these all these kind of crazy kind of false signs these were spiritually powerful people that worshipped the darkness They would stare at the sky and look for signs, and they thought that all wisdom would come from this darkness. It says that they came from the east, and if you were to look at a map of Israel, and you look what's east of Israel, what you're going to find is a massive desert. It's the Arabian Desert. I've got a picture. You can kind of see what that looks like. And these guys would have traveled, scholars believe, a 1,000 miles from Persia or Babylon across that to get to this baby Jesus, to follow this star. They came from the east. And just a little bit about that desert during the day, it gets about 125 degrees. That's really hot. Even for Houston, that's like hotter than, than what we're used to. At night, it gets really cold. It's very windy. It's so windy that there would be sandstorms that would blow. And there are also some crazy wildlife. I have a picture of some, some kind of these things right here. That's called, kids, that's called a camel spider, okay? That's half spider, half scorpion. And let me tell you, that's just a nasty bug. And I'm just picturing these magi trekking across a desert and then laying out their bedroll at night and looking around thinking oh no, I do not want to get one of those in my sleeping bag, right? That sounds terrible. Let's take that down. It's Christmas time. We don't want to leave that up too long. I don't want to give your kids nightmares tonight. Yes, but they traveled a thousand miles over desert through perilous circumstances. Even today, it would be a risk of life to cross that road. Desert, And and what I want us to ask is, who are these guys that worship darkness, that are separated by a thousand miles of desert from this king that would make the journey? See, the first thing we learn from this story is that the journey to the light of the world can start from anywhere, with anyone. If tonight you feel like God's a thousand miles away, if this year or this season or this life has felt like a desert for you where you've just walked through really really hard hard things and you're thinking I don't know where God is but he's not here here's what I want to tell you is that God is in the business of calling people who are far away from him close to him that's what he does And that's what he does to these magi who worship darkness and astrology and sorcery. And somehow through the stars and this this particular star that they see, he calls to them, come, come. And so maybe that's you tonight. Maybe God's calling you. Or maybe there's somebody who's going to share the table with you on Christmas. And you see them and your heart aches for them and you think, They're so far away, they're so far. Here's what I tell you, no one is too far for the call of our God. The journey to the light of the world can start from anywhere with anyone. And here we have these magi, they're led all this way, a thousand miles across a desert, and it says they get to Jerusalem. Now, trivia question, where was Jesus born? Anyone know? Bethlehem, that's right. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but the star leads them to Jerusalem. That's weird. Why would the star lead them to where Jesus was not born? Do you know how far Jerusalem is from Bethlehem? It's six miles away. So I just want to pick this up here in verse two. It says, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Christ would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. So these magi, they roll into Jerusalem. And here's what I think we need to understand is that a pursuit of spirituality, you know, any kind, it can have a nugget of truth in it. And it can get you close, but it can't get you all the way there. These men who worship the darkness, who thought in the signs and the skies, the astrology, that this was all wisdom and it could not get them there. And it, this star leads them to Jerusalem. And I can just imagine the scene when they rode in the town. It says the whole town was stirred. Now, me and my boys were into cars, right? I know you shouldn't covet and you shouldn't want things. So not, I'm not discontent. I love my F 150, okay? I'm not saying all that, right? But when, when we are driving around town and we see, a Ferrari or a Maserati or a Bentley, right? We're like, what? Did you see that? Right, We go crazy in the car because we love cool cars. And I just imagine when these royal dudes roll into town, all the kids are like, did you see that camel? That was like the Ferrari camel, right? This was a huge scene. These guys roll into town. They probably have gold and all kinds of things that would just signify these guys are royal, and the whole town is stirred. And it says they go right into King Herod. Now, who gets that treatment? Probably not everyone that rolls into town, but everyone knows there's something special about these magi. And so they tell him, Herod, we've seen a star. It's the star of this great cosmic king, this king of the Jews. Where is he so we can worship him? And Herod inside is probably thinking, "Uh uh-oh. I thought I was the king. Another king? What what are you talking about? And what does Herod do? He calls the chief priests and the scribes and he asks them, where is this Messiah going to be born? And it says that they open their Bibles. They went to their scriptures and they found from the prophet, he will be born in Bethlehem. They're saying, look, it's been telling us for hundreds of years he's coming from Bethlehem. Here's the point. The journey to the light of the world will require the scriptures to get us all the way there. Think about that. Star leads them a thousand miles across deserts with camel spiders and they come to Jerusalem six miles away and the key to getting to this king was found here in the scriptures so these guys in verse seven through nine It says that Herod secretly summoned these wise men and asked them the exact time that the star appeared. Verse eight, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. I smell a trap, right? Verse nine, after hearing the king, they went on their way and there it was. The star they had seen at its rising, it led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. So they, they cross a thousand mile desert, they opened their Bibles, and then it's, they set their course to Bethlehem six miles away. And then all of a sudden, there's the star again, illuminating the very place where Jesus was. It. I have a picture and it kind of looks something like this you can just imagine what that would be like as they're seeing this amazing sign in the sky. And I just have to think that in all their journeying, I don't know how long that journey took them, but it took them a long time. In all their wanting to see this thing, they had to think along the way, like, is this worth it? Right. I I just had a camel spider run over my my, uh, my sleeping bag. Like, is this worth it, guys? Are are we sure we want to go, like, follow this star? And yet, in the midst of all this, right, they find the star and they're filled with joy. This difficult journey is starting to make sense. And here's what I want to tell you maybe you've been in a difficult journey and i want to i want to encourage you to start looking here open the word because all the signs of your life start to make sense once the scriptures begin to speak to you you start seeing oh Now I see why this happened and that led me there. It's It's like you begin to see how God has been sovereignly guiding you. The journey will lead you to the scriptures. Then check this out in verse 10. It says this. It says, when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Now, this is just something you don't see in the English language, but in the original language, it actually repeats the word joy to where it's like joy, 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 joy. So they they see the star. They've been on this crazy long journey, and they see it, and they're overwhelmed. It's like joy, joy. Like we finally made it here. They're overwhelmed with joy. In verse 11, entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother in falling to their knees they worshiped him then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts gold frankincense and myrrh <laughs> these guys they, they come these these guys that that roll in in their ferrari camels with all their gold, that, that have been in the court of the king, that have mysterious powers of darkness, they come into a, a, a house and they see a little child. And that word worship means that they would literally fall down, prostrate, and then they would kiss the ground. Falling down repeatedly to worship, meaning you are a king. The royal people bowing before a humble child. You see, here's the the other thing we learned. This journey to the light of the world will require a great humbling. If you're going to experience the light of the world flooding your soul, it will take a great humbling. Why didn't Herod make the trip? You ever thought about that? Six miles. It's just six miles. I mean, I think he could handle that. Why didn't Herod walk six miles to figure out what was going on? I think it's because in order for Herod to make that trip, he would have to be willing to say, maybe I'm not the king after all. It would require a great humbling. And these men humbled themselves. I was thinking of of, of an illustration. It's kind of silly, but just play along with me. Imagine if Casey got me a present this year. And she told me, like, you're going to love this. I can pick this out just for you. And so Christmas Day comes, and I open the gift, and it's a book entitled, How to Be a Better Husband. (laughs) Now, just imagine the emotions that would be swirling inside, right? I might say, gee, thanks, right? Like. Hint, hint, how to be a better husband. You see, the only way that I could receive that gift with joy is if I knew deep, deep, deep down inside my soul that I really wanted to be a better husband. It's the only way. A gift has come into the world. Jesus, the light of of the world. And he's come to save you. But that is not good news to you until you know deep, deep down inside of you that you need saving. It will require a great humbling And then we also see in this passage these gifts, right? You know the story, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These would have been very costly, very expensive items of their day. This was not normal, uh, a normal thing that would be in the household of an Israelite. And so they bring these costly gifts. And here's what we know is that the journey to the light of the world will be costly. Some of you know that from experience, it will cost you to follow this light. It will. But when you experience the light of the world, it right-sizes everything in your life. You look at your life, and you know it's but a vapor. It's a breath. It's here today, and it's gone tomorrow. Your days, they, they, they slip through your fingers like water. Water. you say, Lord, in in view of you, in view of your glory, in view of your greatness, everything I have, it's really nothing, and it's all yours, The journey to the light of the world is costly, and lastly, verse 12, this is a cool detail. I don't want you to miss this. It says, in being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they return to their own country by another route. Why is that such a neat detail? Well, here's what's neat to me. Is that they had to follow a star a 1,000 miles to find this light of the world. And as soon as they began to worship the light of the world, the God of the star speaks to them personally. Wow. See, what we learn is that the journey to the light of the world will light up your soul. Friends, God has designed you, created you, made you to know him Personally, to live in a relationship where you talk to him and he speaks to you, where he guides your life and directs you. And it's only until you make the journey to the light of the world that that light enters your soul. So let me just close with this. This journey to the light of the world can start from anywhere with anyone. The journey to the light of the world will require the scriptures to get us all the way there. This journey will require a great humbling. It will be costly, but it will light up your soul. So, tonight I have good news. God's still drawing people to the light. People who feel really, really far away. And... I want to tell you, if he's drawing you, run to the light. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. He says to you, come, I'm calling you. This great light has come for you, and it changes everything. May your journey lead you to the light of the world. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin churchorg